Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Continuing on with small college hoops appreciation week. Unfortunately, there are a lot of great programs at the Division Three and the NAI level that don't get enough recognition both in their neck of the woods as well as nationally. And we're trying to shine a light on a few of those programs Today's guest, someone right down the street from me here in Spokane, the head coach of the Whitworth Pirates, heading into year three, Coach Damian Jablonski. Coach, how is life in it, – it's the Pine Bowl for football on your campus. What's it called in the gym for you guys? Uh, I mean, I guess the field house. Just, we just go with that. So, no, life is good. We're excited. We're uh, – you know, this is the week leading up to the start of our practice. So, um Every day I'm, I'm, I wake up like a kid on Christmas because it just feels like how many more sleeps, you know, I only have a couple more sleeps till we actually get to, uh, you know, coach our guys. So I'm really excited. You know, I think that's one thing that a lot of fans and people don't understand and realize that, yeah, players are excited to get practice started, but coaches are the exact same thing. And you guys might actually be more excited than the players are because the players are going to dread the conditioning. They're probably going to dread some uh, film work. But for you and your staff, you guys have probably looked at countless hours of film, talked about incoming players, how you want to play. What has that kind of been like since the end of last season for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's always a process, but you're right. Like at this point, I'm chopping chopping at the bit because you feel you never feel 100 percent prepared. But at this point, it's like, let's go. Let's take some action. Um, you know, just being when I got the job three years ago, you know, I was my first first gig as a head coach. So when I got the job in April or whatever, I was fired up and I spent, you know, that whatever, four or five months just like that's all I thought about, like being prepared, you know, for my first practices. And um, and then we got through, we had, you know, a good season ended with the, the weird end of COVID Our you know, our tournament got cut short. And then quite honestly, you know, I spent the first, I spent the first three months of COVID or whatever, not in a great place. I mean, we, you know, I'd invested so much, we got cut short. There's so much uncertainty. So I felt going into this last year, not as invigorated, you know, there was just so much mental strain. And obviously even last year in the COVID year, it was a tough year, but once we got through it, I'm like nothing, it doesn't matter what happens next year. It can't be as bad as this year. So I felt like I did in year one again, where I'm just preparing ready, you know, getting ready to go, you know, for this, for this season. So um, I've been in a good place for a long time now and um, just excited to get moving. So Division threes and NAIs are 
at a different timeline than Division One and Division Two, which get the bulk of, of the coverage and the recognition. Give us a little bit of a timeline of when you have the ability to start practice, when you have the ability to do individual workouts, uh, and kind of the preseason prep for your team. So it all starts, well, on the normal year. Last year was not normal, but it all starts October 15th for us. So that's when we get to do coaching on court with the basketball. Um, not every school has it, but we have a kinesiology department. Um, so in the fall, our, our guys, and, and literally any student could sign up for a uh, strength and conditioning class, um, but our, our guys will sign up for that. So at least they get to do some weights and conditioning and, and be together in that first four to six weeks, whatever it is, before October 15th. Um, but we don't do anything with the basketball. Um, so for us, it's, like I said, it's, I mean, this is really, Friday is the start of our season, no question. Again, the, the differences at different levels come down to evaluating and recruiting of players. The, the coaches and the staffs that can evaluate the players that will fit their system and their level is then, as well as then identify them and, and recruit them is, is essential. You guys have been able to, over the last 15 years, going back to Coach Hayford and Matt Logie, now yourself, to pinpoint players that maybe – and I don't say this in a negative way towards you guys, but maybe a higher level missed out on, you see something about them, you target that player, and you're able to kind of share the experience that they can have at Whitworth. What do you look at in the evaluation and the recruiting process as essential? Um, there's, there's four things that we talk about trying to evaluate. Um, character, which you really only get to know by getting to know the person and also you know, having references you know, with coaches, teachers, whatever, um, their passion. Cause if you're going to do college athletics, like you got to be passionate about it. Um, cause it's such a time commitment, their work ethic, which is different than passion because people can love the game, but not want to put in the time. So we're trying to, you know, get a, a sense of the, you know, does this player really want to put in the time. And finally, what you really talked about was the talent and the talent. I mean, that's no secret. That's why, any program is good. You have to have talented pro players in your program. Um, I think what's made Whitworth special is we that we get where we've been able to get players that uh, either did or could play at uh, scholarship level schools. You know, play at NAIs, play at um, Division Twos, play at Division One. My starting wing, Jordan Lester, played two years at Robert Morris, which is a mid-major, you know, Division One play program. Um, you know, we've got a transfer that came kept coming in. He was a redshirt at DePaul. Um, so, you know, we, we're, we've been lucky enough that we've been able to get those players that recognize that Whitworth is the right fit for them, um, that they're going to be playing a, a high level of, of basketball, even if it's uh, at what might be considered a, a lower level in Division Three. So um, I think it's the same everywhere. You know, you're at a Low major, you're trying to get mid-major players. You're at a mid-major, trying to get high-major players. You're at D2, you're trying to get D1 players. And and that's how it, it sorts it, itself out. And um, so, you know, we're, we're lucky. We've got a, a great tradition, a whole lot of winning, um, a supportive environment, supportive basketball community, um, administration that gets it, uh, the resources that, that we really need to, you know, be able to compete at a national level at our at our division. You guys do have tremendous support at the division level throughout Spokane area. If I remember correctly from 
conversations I had with the previous head coach, Matt Logie, um, you guys are one of the top five programs at the Division Three level as far as attendance. Give us an example of just how passionate your student and your fan base is. Well, yeah, so we've been – we every year I've been here, we've been in the – five to top five to top 10, you know, range of home attendance. Um, and it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's been better. Our home attendance is better than the, the division two Northwest conference. Uh, the majority of those, those programs anyways. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's just tradition. It's being in Spokane that has a great hoops culture. Cause we've got great, um, you know, season ticket holders as well. Um, and then, you know, some awesome things like we've had, Midnight Madness that is an awesome, you know, incredible student pep rally, you know, that's been centered around basketball. Um, it's just, it's been part of the culture. Um, now, I, I do think there are, there has been some generational change I've seen over the last decade that I think a lot of schools, even Gonzaga down the road sees the same thing where maybe there's so many other things going on, whether it's just uh, accessibility to, you know, Netflix and, show, you know, just other things that are definitely distracting some regular students perhaps from having that school pride. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, the environment you get at the field house um, is rival to none that we uh, see on the regular in the division three level. Yeah. I've been to a number of games at, at, at your gym and, and I always come away impressed with how you guys draw fans and then the energy and the excitement in the field house as well. When you, you look at you yourself going into year three, and I felt this as a player. It takes three years to get comfortable at the college level unless you're just an outlier. And then it takes three years at the professional NBA level to get comfortable unless you're an outlier. You're heading into year three. How much more comfortable are you in year three than maybe you were right at the start, and what have you learned? Oh. Way more, way more. Well, one thing I, I I said this to my wife the other day. Like, I feel like in some ways this is my second go around, right? It's my second season because last year was just such a anomaly. And in other ways, I feel like last year was like five years worth of experience. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I I think I feel way more comfortable, way more confident. When I, you know, you're as an NBA player, like I think you can relate to this. So much of what you're doing and coaching is just being able to process everything as quickly as you can. You know, you have so many things that you need to process in game as an assistant coach, my, you know, while I did that and didn't, I didn't have to make the, you know, in time decisions that a head coach does. So I think my skill that I developed as assistant coach was much better at being at scouting at being tactical at game planning. Right. So now with, um, you know, going into my third year, I feel like, and I've intentionally tried to get better at um, just being able to process more quickly and, um, and, and recognize what, what buttons to push when I need to push them. Because, um, you know, I go back to year one, I go back and watch film and I'm like, oh, I should have done that, but I wasn't seeing it all real time. It was easy to see after the fact, you know, so I, that, that's a way I, one way that I feel like I've grown a lot. Uh, as a head coach over these last few years. You and I have had a, a number of conversations in the past, a, a lot of it because we both love basketball and we both live in Spokane and we <laughs> come across each other in the gym many times. But um, I'm always interested in, in coaches' paths 
maybe who mentored them. You have a unique one because you had a passion for the game, but then you were working, if I'm not mistaken, was for Ford as an engineer. But you were start keeping your eye on the basketball uh, coaching path until an opportunity came. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and then the mentors that truly pushed you into the direction to go full-time because you're having a tremendous career uh, coaching at the college level now. Yeah. Um, uh, there's there's so many to, you know, really, really the bottom line was I always wanted to be a coach. My dad was a coach when I was little. We lived in Metro Detroit till I was like 12 and he was a middle school, high school coach. So I grew up in a gym, you know, getting in his drills or you know, running around in the bleachers, whatever, you know what it's like to be a, you know, you got, you, you've got kids, they're doing the same thing with you. And so I really always want to do it, but didn't, didn't know. I didn't want to be a teacher at the time. That wasn't like, and that was kind of the way that I thought you had to do it. Um, so I went practical route, um, you know, eventually uh, started coaching high school while I was still at Ford. Some of the people that have been huge mentors to me when I've, when I got to Oakland University, which was my first spot at, you know, at the college level, uh, Jeff Tungi, who is now the head women's coach there, but he was the associate head coach on the men's side. He was huge for me. Um, you know, I basically shared a corner of it. He let me move into his office, shared a corner of his office for, you know, a couple of years. And so that and took me under his wing. So he was huge. Um, Brad Stevens, when I, you know, I went down and studied Butler. And just that whole staff, Terry Johnson and some of those guys were incredible for me, just uh, being open and letting me learn from them. Um, you know, uh, Brett Reed at Lehigh gave me my, my first opportunity as a, as a college assistant and a D1 assistant. So I'm forever grateful there. Greg Campy, I can't be remiss. Like, I mean, one of the longest tenured coaches in, in all of college basketball, just being around him and seeing um, – uh, you know, some of the lessons, just how adaptable he's been over the years is one of the things I took away from him. Um, and then, and then Matt Logie, you know, Matt, Matt was, you know, awesome. And we were partners for, for eight years, but um, just learned so much from him. Um, we went through the fires together and uh, true, true friend. And uh, so, yeah, those are some of the people, I mean, uh, there's so many more. It's funny how you go along and, you know, people, God brings people into your life and you don't know uh, at the time what what the reason might be. You might have ideas, but it isn't until afterwards that you you see the things or the reasons that, that they were in your life or those experience shaped who you are and where you're at now. You know, as I've done more of these podcasts and talked to more coaches on in-depth things similar to that question, as opposed to with my broadcast work of, hey, what do you have to do to prepare for tonight's game? I think that's a common theme is there are so many coaches that pour into a coach along the way to get them uh, ready for their next opportunity. You guys at Whitworth use the term and the phrase tradition never graduates. You guys have, from what I've seen, typically have former players become a part of your staff. How important do you see that for your program to kind of help though the new guys kind of learn the way as well as kind of mentoring and bringing the next level of coaches up? Uh, I, I think it's been huge. I mean, we had 
uh, in the time I've been here, you know, we had uh, Zach Payne was on our staff. He played for us and then and then coached for three years. And he's now an assistant at, at you know, University of Montana, doing awesome in his career. Um, and then now currently, you know, I have Kenny Love, who played for us, was an All-American and has been on staff. I don't know. This is maybe year four or five now, which is amazing. Um, but it's been huge because they, they've been through the fire. And, you know, we've had a lot of things when you're in a successful program, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every year. You know, I may be, I may be change 20, 30% of little things, but the big things still stay the same. So a guy like Kenny or Zach, like they've been through it as a player. They know the player's side. Um, they can, uh, honestly, what I find a lot of times is they want to hold the guys uh, more accountable. They want to, you know, they've been, you know, you don't, you don't want, you have pride. You don't want any slippage. Um, and you recognize that, Hey, I've been through that. They can handle this, you know, those kind of things. So I think it's been really big. Um, I don't think our guys always know just how good of players they were. <laughs> I mean, Kenny was a Kenny. I put him in, if I put him in right now, he'd still probably be the best player out there. So um, I'm dreading, Honestly, I'm dreading our alumni game. Uh, I got an alumni game on the schedule again. It's one of the kind of free contests we get, but I, where they're probably going to put four or five recent All-Americans out there against my squad, and uh, they've gotten the best of us before, so that might be the toughest team we play this year. Yeah, you guys have had a tremendous amount of team success, but also individual success. Give us something on this this year's team. Uh, how How are you guys – looking as far as a first full season now in two years. Yeah. Well, um, we had a great season last year. It was just unorthodox in scheduling. We played a lot of teams we wouldn't have. We played without very many practices under our belt, those kind of things. So there were a few losses that I think in a normal season we, we should have, could have won. Um, but still we had some great ones. You know, we beat SPU twice at their place, which was, you know, pretty huge accomplishment. Then we had some COVID things that set us back. And um, really the bottom line though, is I've got seven guys on my squad this year that have started a significant number of games <laughs> in their career. So uh, I think we've got a really, really, uh, really, really good top level talent. Um, you know, uh, Rowan Anderson played really grew at the point guard last year. Garrett Paxton is a a uh, heck of a, a shooting guard for us. Got Jordan Lester back um, for another season after a, a few of these had a tough go with um, injuries, but but he's back and, and healthy right now. And um, Liam Fitzgerald, who's just a, a heck of an athlete at our level. Uh, JT uh, McDermott uh, is another guy that really grew last year and, uh, you know, played kind of a small five for us. Um, Jerry Twingy, Mount Spokane guy, filled in when we had some injuries and started a bunch of games. So I've got a great core of experience, um, and I'm really, really excited about that. I know they're really excited to actually have what should look like a regular season or, you know, like I said, can't be anything like last year. Well, Division Three, you guys play with as much passion as the Division One players, but you don't get a lot of the acclaim and the recognition. If there was one thing that you would want to share with our listeners about Division Three basketball, what would it be? Um, I, I just think that uh, certainly at the level that we're 
our program is traditionally played at. I mean, it's really good basketball. It's really good basketball. Um, you know, the from the decade for the decade 2010s, 2010 to 2020, um, the the NCAA put out the four the top winningest programs by winning percentage. There were two Division two schools that were number one and two. Gonzaga was number three, and Whitworth was number four. So here in Spokane, you have two of the top four winningest programs of the decade. And yeah, certainly we're going to get overshadowed by, shadowed by what Gonzaga does, and that's that's fine. Uh, you know, if we're when you're at Division three, you 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 learn to check your ego some. But boy, uh, you know, come out and watch if if you haven't caught it before. We've got an awesome brand of basketball. Um, and, uh, like you, like you mentioned, the passion that our guys play with, um, is every bit as high and, um, a lot of things to root for a lot of fun to watch. Awesome. I knew you guys were successful. I didn't realize it was top four winning percentage in the country. That is awesome to hear. So Damien, I appreciate you joining. I wish you guys at the field house in Whitworth, nothing, nothing but the best of luck this upcoming season. Appreciate it, Dan. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.